What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Favalli coming at you with a yet another NBA team look ahead. Not a preview, not an outlook. It's more in-depth or bougie or high-level because they're called look-aheads. That's my rationale there. We're on to the Miami Heat. I am so excited to once again be joined by now a reoccurring guest of the podcast, Alana Tahauer from Five Reasons Sports. I hope I got the pronunciation on the last name right. You was- did, and I really hope Ethan's listening because he struggles every damn time, and it's been years. Um, one, follow her on Twitter at Alana Tahauer. That's at A L L A N A. T-A-C-H-A-U-E-R. You can follow her podcasting work, which will be back up and running, she said, hopefully weekly this season, at Five Reasons Sports. Um, We're here to talk about the Miami Heat, but I'm happy I got your last name right as a start. So the vibes are good right off the bat. The most important question I will ask you, though, the podcast, how the heck are you doing? Today has been chaotic, and I said this off air, um, but my energy is all over the place, which might make for a more entertaining episode. So it's been it's been a Monday for sure, but not right, in a bad way. Just we're we're all over the place. For anyone who's watching on video, it is so it's after eight p.m. my time, and I am consuming caffeine, and so like it's that it's been a Monday, and like when I'm taking caffeine after eight p.m. at night, it's this might we're gonna have some issues, or maybe it'll be just super fun. Yeah, that that's pretty serious. I haven't caffeinated since this morning, so I'm not on your level. No, I need I our listeners know caffeine in me is just like it's a disaster um speaking of caffeine though jimmy butler owns a coffee company how about that as a segue into the into the miami i want him to open a pop-up in chicago so badly like i cannot tell you every time big face posts i'm like are you opening another pop-up because they've been having them and i know like okay chicago's not necessarily the market that wouldn't really make sense but it does because he was here with let's say wouldn't people like be kind of i mean if you think about it, he was probably the biggest winner of that trade because people understand how much like he should have meant to that franchise. No, for sure. And also, I feel like, you know, Chicago's a big enough city where it's not like you're going out into like the middle of nowhere with your pop-up. I don't know. I I'm really I'm going hard on this campaign. Any any way that I can get his coffee here, I'm happy to do so. Is it really like how much is it though? Is it really 20 bucks a cup? I think so. I'm not I don't drink coffee. Um, oh, you don't drink coffee, so you just do caffeine through energy drinks. Energy drinks and pre-workouts. Okay, like that's my... so much worse. Oh, I'm I fully I was up to 1.2 grams of caffeine a day last season. I cut myself down to 500 <laughs> to 600 milligrams now, which is like six cups of coffee. I'm at like 300 milligrams, I would say. But it's, is, it's only from coffee. That's a little bit less than I take before I work out. Like I'll take yeah, between 350 400 to one shot. That's a lot. Um, but I. My point is, I'm not paying $20 for an energy drink. I wouldn't pay $20 for any cup of coffee, I don't think. For his, I would. <laughs> I that's need the, to try it. Like, I just need to try it once. That's I, As a one-time thing, I get it. But, like, that's kind of... It feels like that's what his brand would be based off of is the one-time consumer where it's like, oh, he's, you he's get, fucking Jimmy Butler. I need to try this. But then I feel like people get hooked, maybe, because if it's not good, like, then it's like you're just going to walk away. Like, I feel like people really like his coffee. And then, and then you're all of a sudden just paying trouble. like, oh, if you have one cup a day, it's 140 bucks a week just on coffee. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's excessive. I mean, they did um, another drop on his website. I think it was like a few days ago when I looked and like prices are prohibiting there too. I think his hoodie's like $150 or something. And I'm like, all right, this is, we're doing a little much here. What? Oh my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a brand. It's not like it's a brand of. It's not like uh, it's not like what is it? Are the proceeds going somewhere? Even like important? I don't know. And the thing is, I'm usually a sucker for stuff like this. And if even I'm stepping away and being like, I can't do it, like that should tell you something. I'm not a fan. As I say this, I'm wearing a WNBA hoodie. I'm not a fan of wearing stuff that's like brands, like even for teams. And okay. like, or if I go to brunch places and they have like, oh, you can buy our shirt. No, so I, I wouldn't advertise. Yeah, no, no, like no, no, I'm not I wouldn't doing do that. that either. But like team merch, I'm like, I'm I, team merch. I get. Yeah. Um, but the heat day, this is the timing of this podcast ended up being, I'm happy that you were still able to come on despite the news dropping within 24 hours of us recording this Tyler hero agrees to an extension four years, $130 million, 120 million guaranteed, um, thoughts on the extension. Are you surprised it got done? What did you think about the reaction from people to him getting that much money? Just general impressions of it. So my thing is at this point, I feel like salaries are so inflated that it's kind of hard to like properly assess if someone got too much, too little, if they were deserving or not. Um, I wasn't surprised that it got done, nor though was I surprised about the reaction. I even tweeted like, I think as soon as it happened, I said something like, oh, and here goes like NBA Twitter because I knew everyone was going to have a field day. One of my friends messaged me today and was like, 
I was clowning him about Blake because he's a Celtics fan, Blake going to Boston. And he was like, I'm sorry, you have no room to speak. You guys just extended Tyler for how much? And I'm like, I don't, there's, don't make that comparison. Um, I, I'm not mad about it. If only for the fact that I think this is a huge confidence boost in him. I feel like he hasn't, not that he's ever said this, but there's parts of me that felt like he didn't necessarily feel like he was fully believed in by the organization. And part of that, I think, was because maybe he wanted to start and wasn't. But this, to me, shows that the front office is, like, at least for now, fully confident in him. And I think that's going to do a lot for him on the court, but also just for his relationship with the organization. So I personally don't really have a problem with it. I... I'm with you, and I do think it's hard to... We saw this with the C.J. McCollum extension. I think we saw it when R.J. Barrett just got his extension. The cap is going up, and so I don't know what the exact numbers are going to be like per year for him, but 22 23% of the salary cap for Tyler Hero, who, if you want him to be your fourth-best player on a really good team, is just it's just perfectly fine to me. Do I think they got a steal? He has to hit his highest-end outcome for that to happen, but I don't think it's like detrimental the way people were sort of framing it as, and um, I think it's good too often and i'm guilty of doing this too we say well it's restricted free agency just wait so that you keep your flexibility and figure it out and i do think it's important to have the better sometimes have the better relationship to the player rather than the heat did it with bam Adebayo, where it was no we're not going to conserve cap space by not extending bam Adebayo because maybe Giannis gives us a meeting a couple years from now uh and so i didn't have a huge issue with it. i don't know i think it's very much tbd on the value of it but the number i just didn't get sticker shock from I think people are falling into this really bad habit of comparing players and their contracts now to like contracts, even from two, three years ago. And it doesn't seem like it would be a huge jump, but it has become that to your point. I mean, everything is going up and it's going up by quite an amount. I feel like every season. So what I keep seeing is just like, I can't even think of who they were comparing him to, but it's just looking at contracts that are older to now. And I'm like, this is apples and oranges. Like I understand that it looks a little bit high and maybe like glaring at first. But if you think about it within the scope of the larger league right now, I just, I don't think it's that big of a deal. And again, like I said to me, I would rather him feel confident in himself and supported by the organization right now than worry about numbers. And the other thing is just like for a team like the heat where they're not going to, first of all, we just talked about off air should have recorded that how free agency has changed Mm -hmm. and it's people get extended and then traded or you draft a star free agency. Isn't what it was, but for a team like the heat, even if you think they can bag a free agent, they're just not going to have money to spend. And so someone like Tyler hero, who's as good is actually worth more to them than a team that's not in the same position as the heat. Yeah, totally. And I think they like knowing that guys are fully committed. They like knowing that guys understand their system and will work hard to become what they need to be. And a bigger name, that doesn't always mean that the fit is going to be right. And I know people come after me all the time about like kind of my takes on the culture and the fit, but it's true with the heat in particular. A lot of that stuff matters more than X's and O's because that stuff can be taught. I'm not saying that guys can be given talent that they don't have, but in terms of figuring out the system and kind of what their roles are, that's not the hard part. I think it's kind of fitting into the culture and Jimmy and him had kind of a bumpy road on a personal level for a little bit there. They got over that. So now I, to me, I'm happy about this because Tyler now can move forward with Bam as kind of the future if they are going to keep him around and be confident in himself in that. So what are you looking to see from him now that he has this deal? Is there any area you would like to see him improve upon? I think it's important to note that he's come a long way as a a variable off the dribble shot maker. And even with his passing or aside from just, I, and I think we could talk about his defense feeling for improvement, but the other thing I sort of pose you is the back end of this. Is it maybe just a matter of him streamlining his offensive game a little bit more to where he's more comfortable being like, the third option on offense in those lineups and leaning into look what he can do if he's flying around screens and shooting off the catch. Honestly, I think for me, I mean, a lot of things are important because I do want him to be obviously as well-rounded as possible, but I just want his playmaking skills to continue to improve. Um, I think we've already seen it, but I think with a team like the Heat, especially with this roster, I feel like there's a very high basketball IQ just across the board. And I think that the more he works on that, the better he'll be. Just because, you know, Spo likes to play with lineups 
I am hoping that injuries won't plague us the way they did. But to be honest, it kind of just seems like part of the Heat's identity at this point. So when that happens, right. he needs to be able to kind of not only fill a different role himself, but with the guys around him, know what to do with them. So I just want kind of his basketball IQ and his playmaking to pick up. Um, I think he's gotten stronger on defense. I think he's working on his body, which will help a lot on both ends of the floor. Um I really want him to stay healthy as well. And I know that's easier said than done. And it's not necessarily a fault of his. Um, but I do, that's the one thing that I think I just want to make sure that he's able to stay healthy because it's kind of like the way he's playing makes him even more susceptible, I think, to certain injuries um, that he's had in the past. But the flip side of that is the fact that he is putting on weight, I think will help keep him a little bit healthier. At least I hope so. And I've also wondered if that would like sort of help him kind of increase the frequency with which he gets to the rim, maybe that he's getting to the foul line, which is there's a tug of war there where it's, it'd be great if he could do that as part of his game. Um, because I do think the heat need that from the perimeter outside of Jimmy Butler. And maybe you get that from Oladipo, but it's also heroes had like a bunch of just stuff crop up in the past injury wise. Do you really want him, you know, trying to draw more contact, but I think him getting stronger helps either mm -hmm. way in that regard. The, so the overarching off season of this team was, it was like, uneventful in its inaction if that's mm -hmm. even a way to phrase it they were tangentially linked to donovan mitchell and kevin durant they lose pj tucker um it was more so about i say about talent retention but it really wasn't because you lost pj tucker but you got oladipo back tyler heroes extended were you surprised even within the confines of what we know about their flexibility were you surprised that they weren't more active over the offseason yeah, um i never thought we were getting kd um and even i think for a while there, people were very high on Kyrie, which I will never understand. Uh, he, the, Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving are like polar opposites. I don't understand how that Kyrie has just gone so far off the deep end for me that it's just not worth even like considering him. Um, and I also, I was not as high on Donovan as a lot of other people were. Um, with that said though, yeah, I was surprised that we didn't essentially do anything. Um, we have a lot of talent, but I do think, especially with the void of PJ, that we're still not there yet. And I was talking, I can't remember who I was talking to, but I was a few days ago talking to someone about the fact that I feel like right now this roster is in this really weird spot of it's like half building towards the future because you have Bam and Tyler. And then it's half Jimmy's time is running out. You're on his timeline which, you know, kind of also works hand in hand with the fact that Kyle's not getting any younger. So you're kind of split down the middle. And so to me, the future is going to be there. I mean, if you want them around, so you're going to, or you should kind of default on the fact that you're on Jimmy's timeline. So to me, not doing anything was kind of surprising. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm disappointed. Uh, I believe in the front office and I'm excited anyway, but I was surprised. Also, the thing I'll say to defend the Heat is PJ Tucker was just gone. It doesn't even seem like they had, they could have given him. Oh, and they knew, I mean, from what I had heard that that wasn't a surprise at all. I think everyone knew he was going to go. It didn't sting any less to me personally because I love <laughs> PJ. But yeah, I mean, he, that was happening regardless. So how big of a loss is he actually? And who, based on who's already on this roster, are you just starting um, Caleb Martin in his place? Or would you go a different direction? I don't know if there is a different direction to go in. Um, I would love a Jay Crowder reunion, but obviously that is way easier said than done. And getting there uh, is kind of questionable. And I don't really know if there is an easy path that way. Um, I like Caleb, but his, to me, Caleb is way more athletic and he's obviously quicker but that's not necessarily what I feel like this roster is missing or would really benefit from in terms of like you, you can't sub him in for PJ. I think what PJ brought was that size. It was the stature. It was um, the grit in a different way. He wasn't fast by any means and he wasn't necessarily athletic, but I just, he was kind of a force to reckon with. And I don't see Caleb in that manner. Um, I think they're going to have to, change their identity offensively quite a bit without PJ unless they do get another replacement but right now I don't really see who else other than Caleb it could be that didn't receive enough coverage where it's Daryl Morey and James Harden must be hell of a recruiters because PJ Tucker had like the largest offensive role I've seen him have in a while with he where he was actually doing stuff with the ball that wasn't hey mm -hmm. fan out to the corner and stand there 
And maybe he's just older and doesn't want that much responsibility. I don't know. Yeah, no. And I mean, I think that he was perfect in Miami and it just, I know he was gone anyway and it wouldn't have mattered. I just, to me, it sucked that we, we kind of got a taste of that for one year and kind of for what? Right. I mean, you did finish with the best seed uh, in the East for the regular season, if that means anything. And yeah. I, I wonder if playing Caleb just in lieu of him and not making any changes probably puts too much pressure on Jimmy Butler. Where I feel like he would end up doing a lot of the stuff that PJ Tucker was needing to do from that spot. I was surprised, though, before this podcast, when I was looking at the numbers of when Caleb Martin was the four, like the Heat's defense was still really good last year yeah no I think he's a strong defender and I think he brings a lot to the table but it's just such a different game than what PJ played that if they don't in my opinion if they don't adjust kind of the rest of their game around that switch it's not going to work because just kind of plugging and chugging Caleb into whatever they were doing before it's just you're not getting the same thing out of him yeah PJ's got that like overcooked pancake girth to him mm-hmm. and like that really helps him out you mentioned Jay Crowder already but is there any other trade targets or potential replacements for PJ outside the roster that you've thought about or would like the, the heat to pursue no and you know what I granted have been very busy in my full-time job so I haven't been as kind of like tuned in but I haven't really seen any other names even connected or people even bringing anyone up um which I feel like at this point is kind of odd because I feel like heat Twitter especially is <laughs> like always on to getting the next person and now we're just kind of like oh I think we're here now like I think everyone was just kind of accepted what it is yeah, I mean, Heat Twitter is, a, or Heat fans, I feel like, and this isn't even an insult. It's just they're among the fan bases that I think lust after other teams' players more mm-hmm. than other fan bases. Oh, absolutely. Have. But they're also kind of justified in it when you like think about it. I do think Crowder would be almost a perfect replacement. Um, I've even thought about, or I guess this would even be the better thought, is when you look at like their salary sheet, they're not necessarily built to make this mid-end trade. It almost has to be mm-hmm. a bigger trade because you're not just going to trade a first-round pick for anyone. And some of the salaries you have right now, most notably Duncan Robinson, like that's such a big contract that you almost need it to be not a. It has to be like this huge trade where you're mm-hmm. getting an expensive player. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm sitting here. And I like the entire anything dealing with salary cap trades is not my forte. So obviously take this with a grain of salt, but to me, it just seems like it would be very complicated to get Jay. And I think a lot of people are simplifying the matter of, well, Jay wants out and he's not like, he hasn't really been talking to any other teams or at least it hasn't been reported. Why not bring him back? I wish it was that simple. It just doesn't seem to be in terms of salary. Yeah. And it's, it's not. And I think the other thing that's holding this up to wrap up the trade portion is teams want to see what they have mm-hmm. right now. There are definitely teams that are still in the market. Like the Suns are in the market for people, but there are other teams that just want to see what they have. And you mm-hmm. might have to wait for the landscape to develop to where maybe there's a team that's, you know, we look at these rebuilding teams and you're trying to poach. Like I thought about maybe Josh Richardson for the heat. You don't want him at the four, but a reunion could be so fun. You don't even know the joy that would bring me. I am the biggest Jay Rich fan. I miss him literally every day. I, that reunion, I, I would take that reunion over Jay in a heartbeat. You could do something like McDermott, Richardson for Robinson, and then what assets, if you're the Heat, like picks, Jovich, what needs you're to be You're getting attacked. rid of Duncan and giving me Jay well, Rich? No, me, sign me up. Honestly, me pep- sign me up today, right now. Let me, Well, okay, so fellow Blue Wire bro, Duncan Robinson, whose podcast is under this company umbrella, uh, I, I don't know how much it's going to take to get off his deal is my point. I saw it when people were building trades for the Heat. They think it just takes one first-round pick. No And way. I do think that robinson's season last year was probably worse than that where the he was still shooting a pretty high three-point clip but it was a down year for him and so right now with four years left on that contract i think it takes a little bit more Mm -hmm. um, than a first round pick to grease the wheels of any trade there and so that might be a great place to start uh what do you like is duncan robinson even guaranteed minutes in this rotation right now he was out of it to close the year I have nothing against Duncan as a player nor a person. I have said from day one, he does not fit this roster. He is the odd man out in personality, in the way he plays, in mentality. I just don't think he's a good fit. And it has nothing against him. And it has nothing to do with him doing anything right or wrong. It's just, it's not there for me. And the sooner we can get rid of him... I feel bad for him because I think he's being stifled. I think he is a great shooter. I think that he could continue to become even better somewhere else. 
this just isn't it. And so holding on to him, it's hurting him. I think it hurts us. But that contract is also very ugly. So I don't know what happens. And especially after he essentially was invisible during the playoffs because he wasn't getting any time, um, I, it's going to be a hard sell. What was it like? Is it something about the ecosystem and the way the roster has changed that accounts for? So I don't want to call it a downfall, but let's say his down year. Like what? What happened last season? Was it just he was more exposed on defense because of how prominent a part you can't really play Tyler Hero and him together, and that contributes to the complications of his role. I think that was part of it. And then I think it snowballed because he seems, and I don't know the guy personally, but he seems like he gets in his head a lot. I think that once he kind of, once teams started kind of scouting him differently, that clearly was getting to him. And then what was it? Two seasons ago now, COVID years are all blending when he was basically on the chopping block very prominently and in every headline the more time that passed with him like being involved in all these trade talks, the worse he was getting. I just don't think that he has the mentality that a lot of other players on the team currently have. And I think that's hurting him Um, instead of kind of working through it or even using it as motivation. I think it's making him worse. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with the actual mechanics of a shot. I don't think that his play style is incorrect for lack of a better term i literally think it's all mental but that's just who he is it's his personality and i don't think that's going to change and i don't think he's suited for this environment i i do think too there was like it i guess as the season progressed there was a reticence to how he was playing where you look at his shot attempts coming off screens i don't know if it's defenses were playing him a lot more physical but he was more hesitant to shoot and then would have to get rid of the ball or mm-hmm. then it would be a bad shot. And if he's not going to, I think they talked about this during the onset part of his rise. If Duncan Robinson, isn't just going to like, they want him to shoot. Like when mm-hmm. he has ball, if he's not going to do that, uh, his utility to you de- diminishes significantly. Yeah. And I think he was just out there second guessing himself on literally every possession. Um, and that happens to every player. They, you know, they get in their heads. There's also, People, for a while, I was defending him, and I was saying that shooting slumps happen until I kind of realized that it wasn't a slump. It was just kind of the trajectory that he was going in, unfortunately, because that slump never picked up again. And it's two sides of the coin, because when you are in a slump, you need to shoot more. But if you're not getting playing time, you kind of can't get yourself out of that slump. So it was kind of like, it it just, there was no good situation. And Spo did what Spo had to do, and I completely back him there. But it also just didn't help the situation with Duncan, Um, I wish we found a way to get rid of him. I would still though, and it's early, but I would be shocked if he finishes the season on the heat roster. Victor Oladipo, very small sample size with him last year, but is there anything you noticed, whether it's concerning or in terms of the impact that he brings to the heat that you're watching for as we head into this season? Yeah, I think that personally what stood out most was just the fact that he was fully committed. Um, I think a lot of players in his position would have been kind of more anxious to get out there or have a bigger role or prove themselves. And he cares. He cares about what people think. He cares about what the organization sees in him, but he's not rushing anything. He's not trying to step on toes. He is letting it happen naturally. And I think that he definitely showed glimpses of 75, 80% of his old self, which is more than enough, I think, um, at this point after the injuries he sustained. So I am excited for Depot. I think that uh, there was a question of if he'd want to stick around after the fact that maybe he didn't get as much kind of star treatment when he first got there. But I think he's all in, and I think that he's only looking to build upon that last season because, you know, to your point, it was a very small sample size. And I think what I'm most interested for him, and I know he can probably give them some you know, perimeter rim pressure when you're looking at someone who's going to start from the top of the arc and get going downhill. And I was actually impressed. Again, it was such a small sample last the regular season, uh, the frequency with which he did get to the rim. But I think his mm-hmm. biggest value to this team um, that did struggle in the half court at times, independent of if though they were able, I think PJ Tucker helped them with some of their offensive rebounding and creating second chance possessions, but they still need like not just a half court creator, but someone who is comfortable and can knock down shots off the dribble, which has just not been Jimmy Butler's game anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's fine because he's still been like top 10, top 12, top 15 player while doing that. And so I'm just wondering, does he like, is there, is that part of how he helps? Or is it like, well, you have Kyle Lowry and Tyler hero. That's very much not what they're going to be looking for Victor Oladipo to do anyway. No, I mean, I think that 
not only does that a void they need to fill, but from an injury perspective, that does protect him a little bit more. And I, Ooh, I'm point. not for players necessarily playing cautiously, even though I'm sure it happens, especially after such a horrible injury. But you do have to keep in mind the fact that he went through what he went through. Um, and I think that if that is more so his game, or at least it, it's more where he leans towards, that does protect him as well. Seven of 16 on off the dribble threes in his regular season games with the heat. That's like 40 something percent. That's clearly mm -hmm. a big enough sample size for me to say he's back and we'll, we'll bring that type of impact. Uh, so, so the notion that like, or actually, I guess let's start here. Cliche alert. Like it's not who starts games. It's who finishes games. But if you're Spo, who are you starting at the two now? And I'm wondering, does it become more interesting follow the Tyler hero extension? Is it hero or, or Oladipo, is it now just Hero because they've invested that money in him? How would you let this play out? I would start Tyler, um, I think, for a number of reasons. I think, first of all, you just paid the man, so start him. I think on top of that, again, it's a confidence thing. Tyler's interesting because I think you look at him and you wouldn't think that he's someone who gets in his head because he does kind of have this swag about him. He has a different style. He's very unique. But he also fell into the same thing that Duncan was when he was on, you know, he was on not that chopping block necessarily, but he was in all these trade rumors that also was impacting him on the court. And it was very noticeable. Um, so I think that just for his confidence, I would start him. The other part of it, too, is he definitely has a clutch gene about him, but I feel feel like he runs out of gas a little bit quickly or he did I don't know if this is something that he's going to work on obviously he's still young and figuring it out but I'm more comfortable with Depot getting in there because Depot just seems like he has it all figured out part of its basketball IQ which what I said is that Tyler I want Tyler to work on that but there's something about Depot in those kind of closing minutes that I trust. Um, and it's not necessarily that I don't trust Tyler, but if I had to pick one of them in there, I think right now it would be Depot. I also think that I would be kind of a little bit hesitant at this point still to have Depot playing more minutes. And I feel like starters generally play more minutes. Mm -hmm. um, so right now I would say that I would err on the side of caution that way. Um, but I mean, they could be interchangeable, and it kind of depends on, you know, the rest of the lineup, but also the opponent as well. And I don't know how much this factors into it. I trust, I, I trust, I trust Tyler Hero is a, like someone to set up others more than Oladipo mm -hmm. at this point. And you could stagger minutes if Tyler Hero starts, but if you bring him off the bench, there's more of an organic cadence to the rotation where it's, you're not either asking Oladipo to do too much as a playmaker or you're not overly reliant on Gabe Vincent coming off the bench as well. Yeah. And it's funny because, see I don't know Tyler's just like such a unique case study to me everything kind of has two sides to him on the one hand I think he gives great energy for that second unit and there's a reason that that worked so well but on the other in terms of actual play it does take him a minute to heat up and I feel like if you're starting him that goes away because he doesn't or it necessarily it doesn't necessarily go away but it's kind of masked by the fact that the other starters are ready to go so if mm -hmm. it takes a little longer to get going at like the consistency you need it doesn't matter as much in the you know starting unit as it would in the second um but i i'm really curious to see what tyler is going to look like this year i'm willing to bet that he undergoes the biggest transformation out of any of the players Ooh, i like that i like that uh so the notion of bam at bio being too passive at, i wrote this in the outline it at once feels like an oversimplification but then also kind of dead on and so i'm wondering how you feel about that. And what are you looking for him entering this season um, specifically like to make that, like what's the next frontier for him look like? I have been very vocal about my feelings on Bam and they've stayed consistent. I, it is as simple as he needs to be more aggressive and it's annoying that that's all that I can keep saying. Um, but my problem with him is that we know he can do it. If we've never seen it from him and we were just asking and asking and it never came, at a certain point, I would kind of give up and just say, this is the type of player he is. Let's figure something else out for him. He is capable of doing it. I feel like when the noise gets really loud and he starts kind of feeling the pressure or the negativity or the feedback or whatever you want to call it, then he proves himself to us. And then the next game, he's back to his passive ways. And it's infuriating because if you can do it one night, you can do it every night. I don't need him to be the number one or even number two option every night. I just need him to be aggressive in some way, whether that be his like 
own offense, creating offense for others defensively. Just, I want to see that you're fully engaged and you're literally giving it 500%. And I, for the life of me, cannot figure him out. Everyone laughs at me for all my astrological takes. I'm going to say it. If you know anything about astrology, he's a cancer. It's a water sign. They are on the softer side. I do think it's part of his personality. But again, if you've never shown it to me, I would back off. You have shown to me that you can do it. I need you to do it literally every night of your life. I think that's fair. Uh, could this be the year he takes over the past years? He's taken more than half his shots from mid range. Is that a weapon or skewing too far to the mid range where you'd rather see him continue to up the frequency at the rim or maybe even, I know this has become a cliche to talk about, but we also don't talk about it enough. Probably like, is this someone who could actually expand his range beyond the three point line ever? I do not mind the bam midi the problem is that i think he's doing it to avoid being more aggressive at the rim and then we're back to the same problem of it's like he plays down and he plays small especially next to guys that he should be eating it's so strange to me to watch him against certain opponents and i'm just sitting there like are you aware of your body size I have met him a few times. The man is enormous. I understand I'm 5'2", <laughs> and it's kind of like a bad comparison. He is like all muscle. He could bully anyone in there, and instead he just cowers, and I just I don't get it. So, yeah, if you have an additional skill set, and I know everyone wants him to shoot threes, I don't really care if you shoot threes or not. It'd be great if you add that to your game, but – I don't want it to become a substitute for getting at the rim and for bodying people. I I think that's probably a really good characterization of like what the issue is. The mid-range volume is not indicative of a problem with the mid-range volume so much as like the rest of his offense, maybe. Yeah. And I, again, I, I don't know what it is because I've seen you do it. So if you're aware you can do it and I'm aware you can do it, then just do it. I have three very important questions on Jimmy Butler. First, is the hair going to stay? Absolutely not. He is trolling so hard. He, I, I love this man. I, I just, I can't get enough of Jimmy. I was hoping he would keep it, but he even said he was, once I, I saw him say that he was deliberating, I was like, oh fuck, it's gone. And I don't want it to be gone. I want to see that. I want to see that hair on the regular season floor. See, I hated it at first. And then it started creeping to my mind of like, oh, this man is like totally just messing with everyone. And then when he outright was like, I'm clearly messing with you. I was like, okay, good. So we're we're on the same page here because at first I thought he'd lost his mind. It is. I think it will live on at least for the year because that is his NBA.com picture. For I know. Season. And you know what? I don't mind it when it's up. I hate that he took it down for those headshots. Like you had to go That's and true. just take it all down. It, it's, it's not a good I do, I like it And a lot no facial when it's hair. What's that? He has no facial hair in his photo either, which is even weirder. You know what? That's I didn't realize that because I was so focused on like the hair. A lot of well. people didn't, but that makes it even worse to me. Um, I am with you though. I appreciate like the I want it out at all different angles and up rather than like cascading down yes, to his, no. his shoulders. So let's say Jimmy Butler plays in 70 games this season. Over under on him hitting 44 three pointers. I am taking the under because I, I can't I can't explain it. I have this weird gut feeling that Jimmy this year is going to be this like very physical, just grind it out, nose to the ground type of player. Like, I don't know what it is. There's something about his demeanor this summer where he's like, he's all in and this is his time to get it done that I don't think he's going to mess around with those threes that everyone is just screaming at the second the release goes off. I think he's like, I think he's all in not to say that he wasn't committed before. Obviously this man like wants nothing more than to win, but there's just something about him this off season. I think we're done with kind of the experimenting and trying to change this game. I think he's going to go back to like kind of his bread and butter. Uh, I do think he, the type of rim pressure he gives you or just interior pressure where it creates chaos from the defense. He doesn't actually need the three point shot. Mm -hmm. The reason I actually asked though, is because the past two postseasons or past three, whatever it's been, like clockwork, he's just taking mm -hmm. and making more threes. Hits 23 threes in the postseason last year through 17 games. Through 57 regular season games, he hits 27. And I just like, I know defenses might be more keyed on daring him to shoot it, but that's just such like a huge chasm. But it's so Jimmy, right? right? It's just like, why are you doing this? And then you're making them so we can't even really question you because they're going in. Like... Uh, this segment's really a compliment to Jimmy Butler because I have no like wholesale questions about him just because he's so good. So the final <laughs> one is just ESPN rank. He ends up at, it was number 17. 
Um, just right. He said it was high. His response to it was iconic. Just right, too low. I'm assuming you don't think it's too high. No, I mean, I think I think that's about right. I was actually surprised, though, because I feel as a whole that the national media underrates him, um, not only just as a player, but I mean, I don't think it's kind of a secret by now. Like, they just don't love Miami. So him being here just makes them kind of overlook him even more. Um, so I was kind of surprised. But no, I think I think that's about right with with the caveat that I don't think these rankings mean anything. As someone who used to write them, I will make a defense that people put way more. We're never trying to troll like with the actual rankings, but people they're designed to get people talking. And like, that's what, you know. Right. And like, I, I mean, I understand there's also kind of like personal bias that goes into it. It's impossible. Like we're human beings. People will like certain players or not even by personality, but just like by play style or the way that they're helping their teams more, which is kind of why I just take them as like, all right, it's it's a ranking and it's what some people think. Um, but I I was pleasantly surprised actually. I, I will say he is the player where if I if I would have him outside the top fifteen, like he's in any given season, I think we've seen he could still be unless there's a drop off, like the mm. top ten mm-hmm. guy, uh, which is encouraging because you mostly need that guy to win a title. Uh, so Kyle Lowry had a very rough playoffs, was dealing with some hamstring stuff though. Does it concern you at all with him entering his age 36 season? Or is it like between Depot and Tyler Hero, we have enough to, to offset any decline we might see from him? I think that I may be the last remaining Kyle Lowry Heat fan. Uh, oh. Just judging by Heat Twitter over the last even uh, two weeks or so, I love Kyle. Like, I genuinely am obsessed with him. I think that him next to Jimmy, it's like a match made in heaven. Um his age is what it is. His injuries are what they are. Uh, I think that people kind of like they did Tyler expected a little bit too much and expected just a different side of him that I just don't think was realistic in year one. Um, he just got here. It was a normal season but still strange coming off of the COVID years uh on top of that he was dealing with personal matters that for better or worse these these guys are human beings and it's hard to balance real life with the game um so I'm not concerned but I also see him for what he is and I think that's the difference here is that I understand his age. I understand the injuries. I understand his limitations, but I think he brings enough to the table where I can still support him. Um, And I think that hopefully he's around more in the capacity of actually getting Bam to be more aggressive, because I do think that's a lot of what he was kind of brought in for is to be another Jimmy. Jimmy's a really strong personality, but to only have one Jimmy, UD probably a little bit too, but to only have one or two guys on the team, you need at least another one or two to kind of get the, and I I say softer, I don't mean that in a negative way, but just the kind of the more, um, I don't know, conservative, I guess, personality is kind of coming out. The A fully healthy Kyle Lowry, even though he's not as good as he was in Toronto, I think it's still really important to how they want to defend. And even the things that he can make, yeah, at times on the ball offensively, as a floor spacer, of course, but just away from the ball offensively, where if he might be willing to set screens or move without it, I'm wondering, and I would campaign for them to just load manage him more, where it's, hey, I know he played in 63 games last year, I think, but like maybe he doesn't average 34 minutes a game this season. Like you have, if Oladipo and Tyler Hero both remain healthy, you have Jimmy Butler, you've given Gabe Vincent some run at this point. Like, can we tamp down the Kyle Lowry minutes so that he is as fresh as possible for the playoffs? Maybe that's just, you know, over the course of the full season anyway, they'll be wear and tear, but he is still a really impactful player when he's healthy, even if it's, again, a, a diminished version of what he was in Toronto. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I don't have, like, numbers or stats in front of me right now, but I just, from memory, think that a lot of his games kind of came, because, again, he missed time for personal reasons and injuries. He was kind of out there without Bam and Jimmy a lot of the time or kind of limited with them because they were also, I think Bam had COVID and Jimmy was injured at one point. So I think people need to keep that in mind too, where it looks very different depending on who he's on the floor with. And again, it was his first season. Heat fans just expect guys to come in, especially, I feel like veterans, it's even harder for them to come in and kind of unlearn what they have had under their belts for however many years, come into a much more rigorous um, kind of environment, not only in terms of kind of X's and O's, but obviously, you know, Pat expects you to be in shape and it's a different kind of shape. 
than anywhere else. Um, I think people recently, and this is what I said, I might be the only fan remaining. He made some sort of comment of, oh, you know, I didn't, I heard about Pat's comments about me, but I was gonna, you know, get into shape anyway. I don't think that's a wrong thing to say. I think it's great that he would have been motivated to get into better shape by himself, even right. if your president didn't call you out. To me, that's a good thing. Everyone else took it as, oh, see, he doesn't even have any regard for Pat Riley. And I don't know, the narrative's oh, going wow. around Kyle. I'm just, I'm over it. That is like such an innocuous answer. I don't see how that's in, in any way inflammatory or negative. Well, the thing is, his personality, I think, rubs a lot of people the wrong way. I happen to love it. And I think that the Heat need more of it. Um, but I think a lot of people just don't like the fact that he is a little bit of ab abrasive. Um, a lot of people got on him, too, for the fact that he was kind of arguing every call. I think he's earned it. I kind of find it funny. He knows what he's doing. He does it just enough where it's not like he's going to get teed up or thrown out. He just barks at them to let them know he knows what's up and then he'll walk away. I, I love Kyle. I'm going to continue to love him, um, but I think I'm alone here. Well, that's unfortunate. I still love Kyle Lowry. Uh, going to sandwich these two to together since I already kept you longer than I said I was. Who has a better chance at making an impact on the team this season? Nikola Jovic? or Omer, you're at seven. And I think that's kind of an easy response unless you look at the depth chart and say, well, there's like an easier pathway to Jovic playing at the four than you're at seven being a four or getting into the five-man rotation. See, I don't, I am not, I don't, I don't feel any type of way about Yurt. And that's not like negative or positive. I just, right now, I don't feel like I have any sense of who he is as a player. Um, I think we've seen, glimpses of uh promise and i think that he is understanding what kind of the culture is all about but there are people who are ready to like fully put him in the rotation and have him take deadman minutes and i'm like maybe Ooh. i'm missing something um i just i'm not there yet uh obviously it is way too early for me to say anything about nicola but i i would lean more towards him maybe um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I have a tendency to, I need more time with players and people literally, I mean, I've heard so many, like, we don't even need Deadman anymore. Just put Yurt in there. And I'm like the baby who literally just got here to me. I I'm not trusting you with that. He threw, he had, I know he had a huge January for them. And I went back before this podcast I was watching something. He threw like some ridiculous passes at times. And so I could see the intrigue there, but I wouldn't play him over Deadman at this point. I would need to see like a just Deadman plunge into the abyss or something. And I, as if I were Spo, I'd be more intrigued by trying Jovic at this point mm -hmm. than you're at seven. But I kind of get like, you're shown just enough in these like flickers, these moments where it's like, oh, is there something there? But you have Bam. And mm -hmm. I, I don't want to see Yurt out there with Bam no. or Bam or, you know, Deadman and Yurt. Like, I, I don't want to see that at all. No, and I don't think Spo wants to see that at all either. I know some people were calling for kind of like a bigger lineup, um, but there, there's a reason that's just not working. I do think, I think there were times where there were kind of throwaway games and we were down so much that it was kind of like, why not put them both out there and kind of see what that looks like? But in the actual, in the games that actually matter, and especially in the postseason, there's no way that, that Spo would ever go down that path. What's this team's single biggest concern or weakness for you right now entering the regular season? Uh, I think the four is, I mean, that's the obvious answer. Um, and I also just think, again, I hate to say it. Injuries have become a part of our identity and I don't oh, know yeah. why. And I need it to stop because it's literally been like three or four years where just these crazy graphics come out at the end of the season that are like the heat at one point had like five players and that's it. Like, it's just this running joke now. And I just, I need that to stop. So I'm concerned about our injuries because I don't want that to be a part of who we are. Um, but other than that, the four is really the only concern I have right now. I'm going to speak it into existence again, because this was my same concern last year when we spoke and they ended up having one of the best benches in the league. I'm just wondering if we, if, if like we see the second unit kind of fall off here, maybe that's counterintuitive because you know, Tyler hero or, Victor Oladipo is going to be there. But if you all of a sudden have to start Caleb Martin, like that was a really, for the regular season, important player for your bench rotation. And then you're relying on like, okay, like Max Drews is still here. That's fine. But is Duncan Robinson playing this role? Like is Jovic or you're at seven all of a sudden in this 10 man rotation. And so I'm just curious. I don't want to say like, I'm terribly worried. It would be the four spot. And like you said, health is a good one too. But I find myself once again, and Gabe Vincent's there. Maybe I'm just not high enough on like 
how they filled those or ate those innings last year during the, the regular season. I could see that. But for me, I just, I think that with these guys all returning, they're basically you're getting rid of any chemistry issues and you're getting rid of any kind of bumps in the road or kind of growing pains that you would have to work through with a bunch of new players. So I'm not as concerned about that. Um, I think Max Struess has been insane in terms of his improvement. Um, and I do think obviously with Depot having a bigger role, that doesn't make me as nervous. I also really like Gabe Vincent and I have a lot of faith in him as well. Um, so personally, I'm not as concerned about that. Uh, is there an underrated strength that's not talked about nationally with this team? I don't know if it's not talked about. I just feel like our ability to pivot is like bar none. Uh, and it's not, that's not great because it means we have to keep doing it. But I think we figured out a way. Um, I think that the fact that we keep getting hit with all these injuries or the fact that, you know, there's not drama that comes out, but you kind of started hurting, hearing rumblings about, you know, Tyler wanting to start that could have derailed the team. I just think our resilience is something that should not be taken for granted. And I just think that regardless of what happens, like we'll figure it out. Um, I think this team's ability to force turnovers uh, is probably not talked about enough. I think they were third um, in opponent turnover percentage last year. And now that they've not necessarily banned, but they've increased how the take foul is going to be officiated mm -hmm. a team that can like get out in transition and force turnovers like that. And I know that he, I don't think they actually generated too many steals. They were like forcing like blue, like blue chip turnovers. Yeah. I guess you would call them. Um, I think that could end up benefiting their offense a lot, which helps if you are still concerned or there are shortcomings in the half court. Yeah. I mean, I think that we're going to have to get creative uh, at least. And again, I I'd be shocked if this roster would look the same after the trade deadline. Um, but for now we definitely are going to have to get creative. Uh, but again, I just think that Spo is brilliant when it comes to stuff like that. So I'm not really worried. So what does the 10 man rotation look like for this team? And I'll throw like, I know this is a weird lift in podcast form. No, I literally, I looked at your list and the only thing that I disagree with is that I would, I would flip uh Depot and Tyler. And so you would have, um, I did that. So Gabe Vincent wouldn't be in that top 10. Then you'd have your over Gabe right now. Probably. Yeah. That's uh. so just for anyone at home. So then it would be Kyle Lowry, um, Tyler Hero, Kayla Martin, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Victor Oladipo, Max Drews, Dwayne Dedman, Duncan Robertson, then Omer Yard seven. And the uh, only reason I wouldn't want that, to be honest, the only reason I'm saying that is because of the size factor. I feel like that might, especially kind of losing PJ there, I think that might just be the call. Uh, so right now, uh, or no, sorry, very quickly, this is to some extent matchup dependent, but what do you think will be their go-to start, like crunch time unit? Is it just their starting lineup with Tyler Hero in it, or do you see the ability or opportunity for them to maybe shape shift depending on the match. So I was taking notes when I was going through your questions and I literally wrote down, this is a cop out, but it's a hundred percent dependent on who we're playing. Like to me, I just, I can't answer that without thinking about the opponent. Um, just because I feel like, again, Tyler has this kind of like clutch gene in him, but I trust Depot's basketball IQ more now. So it just, to me, it just depends on, and who else is out there in terms of our opposition? And so, the, but the locks—they do have at least three locks. Then with Kyle Lowry, Bam, yeah, and yeah, and probably I guess the most experimental stuff will be between Tyler here and all of They go really small and just play like both of them. Yeah, it'd probably be a disaster defensively. Would be my guess, but you could try it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it also depends on how Tyler's looking physically. I think. Well, to that end, though, what is a weird, quirky, bonkers lineup you'd like to see Eric Spoelstra run out this season? None, because that means that we're in trouble because we are down bodies. Like, to me, once Spo gets, like, experimental, Spo has such tunnel vision, and it's funny because I've criticized him for this time and time again, but the second he deviates from that tunnel, I'm like, we're in a bad spot because if Spo's already getting creative over here, it means like guys aren't doing what they should be doing or we're just down bodies because they're sick or injured. So no weird lineups. I want, I want a seamless season of like consistency. That's all I'm asking for. Um, well, I, that is disappointing to me because I love weirdo lineups, but I would like to see like bam. And then the, the four smalls lineup where it's like, oh, I guess be so ugly, <laughs> like have Victor and Tyler hero and Kyle Lowry, and then maybe Gabe Vincent with bam, or you could throw Jimmy in there too. And I'd be fine with Who it. Who are we playing in this instance that you think that would work? Maybe it's garbage time. 
You're okay, up by like, we're... or Jimmy's out for a game and like you have no choice but to play bad. See, that's what the... I'm saying. I don't want though. You have no choice. Something's wrong and we have no choice. <laughs> so as we're recording this, their win total for the regular season is set at 49.5. Are you smashing the over the under on that? And where do you sort of see them standing relative to the rest of the East this year? I have them at 51 wins. And actually, I never give predictions. So like you, this is like a, a gift because I was like, I can't. Aggregators alert. I, Alana Tahauer, Five Reason Sports says the Heat are the best team in the NBA and the Bucks. No, talk. but like not only because of that, but then people will hold me to it. I'm like, I said this literally before we even played our first game. Um, I'm saying 51 though, and I think I'm gonna put us at third, maybe. That doesn't feel spicy at all. I will say, if people went back and got receipts from my podcast, I've been smashing the over on every single team that I do this <laughs> with. I'm like way too optimistic. I have to go back and really go through my win totals. But I think everything you said there is fair. I do feel like Miami has, when you're looking at the rest of the East, I view them as more combustible than a Milwaukee, um, than a, I mean, well, Boston. See, well, here's the thing with Boston. They're in shambles. And I don't care. People are going to be like, well, whatever. Like, the players are going to play hard anyway. I, I'm sorry. There's no way that it's not somehow going to leak into your like even the best of the best. So I do not have faith in Boston the way that I did before that scandal came out. Um, but yeah, I agree with Milwaukee for sure. They are so solid and they're going to continue to be. And I think when you look at the East, everyone's combustible now, except more like we have Evan Mobley's injured in Cleveland yep. and they're trying to integrate Donovan Mitchell. Um, Br Brooklyn is, I'm convinced they're doomed, but they're just, Oh yeah, I hope so. One. I can't stand them. Um, Chicago without Lonzo, you have Boston, all the off court stuff with Ime Doka, mm -hmm. And then plus they lost Robert Williams for eight to 12 weeks. And they don't really have a great center rotation. And, after um, him in Horford. Isn't Gallinari out too now? He's out for the year. Yeah, it's so... like your front court rotation. It's you have Grant Williams, South Horford. Okay, great. And then it's, Oh, Luke Cornette needs to play Yeah, this year. Um, and then Philly just is James. James Harden looks great right now, but is he? Okay, that's not going to last. I can't. All this go James Harden hype. Like, just give it like three months. I'm so high on the Sixers. It's not even funny. But I recognize between James Harden, the way he looked last year, and then just Embiid is always dealing with something. Yeah. They have the combustibility. So the East, as difficult as it is, I think it, as of right now, worked out pretty well for Milwaukee. They seem like the biggest certainty. Is there any thing about this team anyone on this team i didn't ask you about that you think needs to be um discussed before i let you go No, i feel like this was super comprehensive i'm really excited like even just looking at your questions got me so hyped for the season i know some people are still kind of like this is stupid we didn't do anything it's just going to be running it back but like every season has its own storylines and i'm ready to go and this team is also th they're going to do something mm -hmm. because they're built to do something big at the trade them i don't know what it is but like I think getting it's rid of Duncan, on... that's what it is. Put, putting that into the universe. What was it? What did you say? Trading Duncan? Yeah, getting rid of him. But for I'm... for both their benefits, I am not a Duncan hater. Before people come after me, I want uh, I want him I, to be happy too. Can I interest you in a heavily used, unhappy Julius Randall? Absolutely not. <laughs> Alana, this was great as usual. In case anyone skipped the intro, are you able to tell our listeners where they can find you and all, all the stuff that you yeah, do? Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Alana Tahauer. And uh, I will be hopping on Ethan's show uh, on Five Reasons this season. We are trying to figure stuff out. But we're really excited for all the content coming out of the network for sure. Uh, again, follow her on Twitter. I'll spell it out for you. A-double-L-A-N-A-T-A-C-H-A-U-E-R. Great follow on Twitter. Thank you so much as usual, Lana. And I think as you know, at this point, I'll be pestering you again in the future. Can't wait.